Hello and welcome to another episode on Football Talk Podcast. My name is Ozzy and I'm your host for today's show. Now, this week, this match week was the weekend of comebacks. So unbelievable drama and some great football being played as well. So let's begin with the first game, and that's Liverpool versus Wolves. Or should I say Wolves versus Liverpool as it was an away game? And Liverpool finally lifted the midday curse, but it wasn't as straightforward for the Reds as they conceded a very early goal. As Pedro Neto skips past Matip with ease and hits a low cross to Huang Hee Chan, who scores from point blank range. And it was deserved, to be fair. I think they started off very positively. Liverpool, on the other hand, were dreadful in the first half. They lacked energy in all departments and things needed to be changed uh, in the second half. And credit to Jurgen Klopp. Uh, he brought on Luis Diaz uh, for McAllister and switched the formation to a... I will 4-2-4, um, I think there was a variation in, of the two formations there. So both Lyon and Jones were playing in the double pivot, which um, for me was probably not their natural position, especially so both Lyon. Uh, but with both players possessing great ball retention, um, it allowed us to get a grip of the game and start setting up the tempo as well. And it wasn't long before Liverpool were on the score sheet. It was a sublime pass by Salah with his weaker right foot, um, cutting through about three, four Wolves players towards Gakpo, and he scored it from close range now. Liverpool scored the second goal from an unlikely scorer, and that was our captain of the day, um, Andrew Robertson, making a marauding run from, from deep into the box. Uh, Salah finds him in the six-yard box, and Robertson scores with the outside of his left foot. What a finish it was, considering he's a defender and considering he's a player that doesn't really get on the score sheet that much. So it was a great finish from him. And speaking of Robertson, um, honourable mention, I think it was fantastic in the game. And it's really good to see him playing with such more such uh, confidence against. Uh, I, f- I feel like in the last probably nine months, actually, it's the turn of this year, he's, he's not really been his energetic self. I feel like he's slowly getting back to his best form, which is a positive for Liverpool there. The third goal ended being an own goal, fortunately. Should have been awarded to Elliot, in my opinion. Um, you've got to give the attacker the benefit of the doubt. But in the end, a fantastic win for the Reds. Not the best of performances, don't get me wrong. But these are the types of games where I feel like maybe last season we would have dropped points. Salah breaks a couple more records, you know, as he does. He beats Riyad Mahrez uh, to now have the most assists from an African player. I believe the number is 62. He also surpassed Steven Gerrard uh, with a, two, a combined goals and assists of 200 in the Premier League uh, as a Liverpool player, which is f- fantastic from him. So, yeah, records being broken left, right and centre. No difference for Salah there. Some standout performances from Liverpool. And for me, they're looking like one hell of a team right now. This is definitely a different team from last season. Klopp 2.0 is in full effect. Next game, Aston Villa versus Crystal Palace. So a good win for Aston Villa, um, considering they lost to Liverpool in their last fixture. Watkins had a fantastic chance in front of goal after a mistake uh, from Palace. But in the end, it was a great save by Johnston, who's now the first-choice keeper there. Moussa Diaby actually manages to find the back of the net, but his goal was ruled out for offside. Very, very close decision. Um, talking millimetres there, but 
Fortunately, it was given. In the second half, Palace was actually the first team to open the scoreline. Great play by Mateta on the right-hand side. He hits a pass towards Edouard and he slots it in with, the, with his left foot. Nicely done from him. Watkins tries to get on the score sheet. He hits the post with a curled effort, but it was another striker for Villa who equalised and it was John Duran and what a goal it was. Great first touch and smashed the half volley with his left foot into the top bins. Fantastic uh, goal to set up your career for Aston Villa. Douglas Luiz ended up taking the lead for Villa, scoring from the penalty spot after Watkins was fouled, which was the right decision. Leon Bailey seals the win for Aston Villa to make it a great comeback win. I mentioned the top pressure. There were a few comeback wins this this week. Uh, great win for Villa overall and bouncing back to winning ways after a couple of defeats so far. Next game, Manchester United versus Brighton now. Manchester United got destroyed in this game and as a Liverpool fan, I'm loving it. Um, but in terms of Brighton, they were playing some phenomenal football. The first goal was a thing of beauty. Great team goal. The move started off from the centre-back position and up all the way to Welbeck. And he finished the move with a left-foot finish. Saluted the crowd. I don't know if it was the United fans to annoy them. Nevertheless, good goal from him. Hoyland few, thought he scored for Manchester United, scoring his first goal. Fortunately, um, the cross that was produced by Rashford went out of play, so disallowed. That didn't stop Brighton. They capitalised and extended their lead with a great strike from uh, Grouse. Brilliant goal, cut inside into the box, smashed it in bottom corner. Great goal from him. And Brighton make it 3 now through Jao Pedro. And what a goal it was. Side-footed towards goal. Me personally, online, I probably should have done better uh, considering he got a touch of the ball. But credit to Brighton, who were playing some unbelievable football in this game. They didn't even have their strongest team. You had Tariq Lamptey playing left-back due to Estupian not being available. Uh, Gilmore, who's been a starter this season, he wasn't available. Ferguson, you know, their hot prospect striker there, he wasn't playing. And I think Sully March wasn't playing in this game either. So a lot of key players weren't even playing in this Brighton team, a team that cost £16.2 as well, just puts into perspective what a great job they're doing as a football club. Manchester United, they are in the mud. Said it before and I'll say it again. They're having some serious problems on and off the pitch. Now, you may think this is a statement that's a bit too premature. But for me, I think Ten Hag's position at the club is under fire. I think he's out of his depth at Manchester United, to be fair. Yes, if you look at the situation at the club, most managers would probably struggle with what's happening, but some of the situations for me could have been handled a lot better and more importantly, behind closed doors. Sancho's uh, situation comes to mind and from the outside, United fans can elaborate and confirm this. I just feel like he's got terrible man management skills. Doesn't seem like a person that has interpersonal skills with his players and just seems like he wants to be a dictator but not really, you know, give an arm around the shoulder when, when required. Seems like that type of manager. And it works at some clubs. It maybe worked at previous areas. I think the modern game is a different type of game now. So, also for me, tactically, he's been exposed far too many times, especially in away games. But this game was a home game. And, yeah, you don't get to see teams outplay Manchester United at Old Trafford the way Brian did over the weekend. 
And if you look at the team on paper or the squad in general, United actually have a decent crop of players, but they're not being utilised correctly. For example, new signing Mason Mount has played in different positions, played at six at times on the left, but they haven't really played him in his natural position, which is a box-to-box as a number eight or even as a number 10. So the worrying thing, if you're a United fan, is that doesn't look like things will improve under Ten Hag. But let's see, I may be wrong, but I know speaking to a lot of United fans, they're feeling restless with the current situation. And yeah, their head is um, in the mud themselves as well. So not a great start for the Red Devils so far this season. Speaking of the next team, their start has been fantastic. That's Tottenham. They won 2-1 against Sheffield United. Now, this is what I call a comeback. Spurs were trailing for around 100 minutes, but managed to score two goals in two minutes. Uh, that, was a, that was the 90th minute and the 100th minute. Let's recap the game. So, Spurs had a couple of chances through Bissouma and Son in the first half, but they were, their efforts were saved by the goalkeeper. Sheffield United almost took the lead themselves as well. But in the end, a great save by Spurs' new goalkeeper, Vicario. Madison, this is a big talking point for me, gets fouled in the box. And surely that's a penalty. Crazy decision by VAR, who pretty much disagreed and dismissed the challenge altogether. Which for me, I still don't understand. I've watched it a few times after the game. The, the player clearly fouled Madison in the box. Didn't get a touch of the ball. Pretty much wiped him out from his ankles. No penalty awarded. Ridiculous decision, in my opinion. Pivotal moment as Sheffield United go on to take the lead, unfortunately, for Spurs at the moment. Fantastic strike by Hammer, left-footed, posting in. And the away fans, maybe a small section, they go berserk. But Spurs continue to show fight and it was the striker, Richarlison, who got the equaliser for Spurs uh, with a header from a corner. And then moments later, he lays off the ball, off to Kulisevsky, who smashes the ball into the back of the net with a right-footed strike. Didn't know he had that on his right foot, to be fair. But the stadium goes wild, as you can imagine. And what a win it was for Spurs. And thoroughly deserved after showing a great level of desire and fight to get something from the game. They walk away with three points and remain in second spot. So their season is continuing to be on a high right now. And big credit to the players and big credit to Big Ange as well. Next game, West Ham versus Man City. City had a few stabs in the early parts of the game. Uh, and then you had Ariola, for me, a top, top keeper, making some great saves uh, on a number of occasions. Um, after some good fortune, they were able to take the lead, West Ham, and it was a great cross by uh, Corfau towards Ward Prowse, who scores with a diamond header. And, you know, that's definitely one for the record books because he doesn't really score those type of goals that much. And what a signing he's been, to be fair. Um, a player that like I said to, you know, a few months ago that West Ham should look, look into getting. They've made that sign and he's just fitted into the club straight away. No sort of inkling in terms of, you know, he might not be a good fit. I think he's bedding in fantastically at the club. City showed their quality um, through their new striker, their new wing actually, um, Doku. Um, had some good moments in the left wing. He's zipped in a great cross across the six-yard box. But Haaland's first touch um, onto goal was blocked by a good. You know, he's human after all. He will miss some chances, doesn't score every chance he has. But Doku gets the important equaliser as he runs down the left wing and cuts in 
to hit a fantastic shot in the bottom corner. Great goal from the Belgian winger and his goal for City. For me, he looks like a live wide player. Interesting seeing that he's playing on the left side of the Man City attack. That's where normally Jack Grealish plays. So does that put Jack Grealish's position in question? I don't think so. Doku is more than capable of playing on the right-hand side as well. So that will actually add a good balance to that team. Plus they rotate, you know, Pep's known for rotating squads quite a lot. But another great addition to their squad. Back to the game, Zuma thought he got the equaliser for West Ham, a powerful header. But what a save it was by Edison. Unbelievable one-handed save there. Pivotal moment is this. That had gone in, it could have been a different outcome altogether. City scored the second goal of the game as Alvarez hits a cheeky lifted pass um, towards Bernardo Silva. And he manages to lift it up over the goalkeeper as well. I don't know, maybe he should have done better in my opinion as he was quite close to Bernardo Silva there. But I think it was just a great pass from Alvarez that probably caught him off by surprise there. Harlan gets the goal and more importantly, for me, some FPL points. A great pass by Bernardo and Harlan, as he always does, smashes in the bottom corner. Great win for City who are trading like Liverpool. And managed to um, change the t- uh, the game around and turn it around and make it 3-1. So, an important win for them. West Ham, on the other hand, showed a great account of themselves. That Zuma goal had got, header had gone in. It would have been a different outcome. But they're looking like a solid team this year as well. I feel like they will challenge a lot of teams. They won't be a team that will be in quite easily. In fact, Liverpool play them very soon. So, we'll be interested to see how we do against the Hammers. Next game... Everton versus Arsenal. So, tough game. Everton, Goodison um, Park's always a difficult one for Arsenal. I think they they haven't won there in like seven years. So, they managed to break that deadlock. Martelli thought he scored uh, the opening goal. It was a fantastic finish from the left wing. Fortunately, the goal was ruled offside as Saka was standing in an offside position. Odegaard, moments later, has a shot on goal, which was saved by Pickford. But it was their super sub, however you want to call him, Trossard, who gets on the score sheet with a fantastic finish. Made that one look really easy. Um, but trust me, it's a very te- difficult technique to slice the ball with that kind of power on his weaker foot and onto the post. And then, so a great goal. Probably my favourite goal of the week, to be fair. Arsenal maintaining position in the top four. Everton, on the other hand, it's not looking good for them. Struggling to get a win. I don't know where the goals will come from, to be honest. I know there's new ownership at the club. For the good or the worse, I'm actually not too sure. But Premier League survival is essential for this football club. As they've already made plans of building a new stadium, if they don't have that Premier League status by end of the season, it could put them in a very difficult financial position. But we can speak on that in further months uh, down the line. In terms of other matches, Fulham beat Luton at 1-0. Vinicius gets the winner for Fulham. Great effort by Luton, to be fair, um, who had chances to actually get on the score sheet and probably deserve something from the game, but unfortunately lacked that killer instinct in front of goal. Newcastle won 1-0 against Brentford. Um, Newcastle managed to end their losing streak after three consecutive defeats. Callum Wilson gets the winner, scoring from the penalty spot. Bournemouth, Chelsea, 0-0. Billy FC can't seem to buy a win, even if they tried. But to be fair, both teams had plenty of chances to, um, to win the game. 
and no killers in front of goal. And that is going to be, probably for both teams, an issue this season. With all the money Chelsea spent, you would expect them to have decent cover um, within the squad. But if you looked at their bench over the weekend, it was full of youngsters, full of unknown players. So, don't know where that money's gone. I know they've got a lot of injuries, but when you're spending that kind of money and you have that number of players in the squad, that's not an excuse whatsoever. And not in Forest and Burnley. Uh, I believe that game concluded 1-1. Let me just double check. I don't I actually totally forgot about this game. It included 1-1. So I think they did score a second one, but it got disallowed. Lau Foster got a red card. Divock Corrigi, Liverpool legend, or cult hero, however you want to phrase it, came on and made a substitute appearance. But yeah, wasn't able to get the winner in this game. But overall, good point for both teams um, who will do well later on this season. Just got a comment here. From Madison Smith. So thank you for your comment, Madison. Two questions. Bias aside, what does Man United need to do to change their trajectory? And two, does Ten Hag make it through the season? At this stage of the season, just just talk on the pitch, because off the pitch that you know failed on like change of ownership didn't help in terms of their recruitment in the summer. Um, in terms of on the pitch, I don't feel like Ten Hag knows his best system, to be honest with you. He's got the players, I think, to have a strong lineup. So they've got in Amrabat, who I feel like if they played a double pivot alongside Casemiro would be a solid uh, midfield duo. You've got Bruno Fernandes and Mount playing as that number 10. So that's a good balance there in the midfield. You've got Ericsson, McTominay at backup. So numbers are there. Uh, up top, I think United should have signed a more experienced striker, Alongside Hoyland, uh, I think putting all that pressure on the youngster and at a club that is under turmoil right now could hamper his progress at the club. But he looks like a talent. Um, even though he had that goal disallowed over the weekend, he's showing that he's got the capability of being a top striker. Really good in terms of his um, his output. Very Aggressive as well, like he was pushing around the defenders. So he wasn't. He was up for a fight, which was good to see from him. Um, good left foot, plays on the shoulder, really pacey. Looks like a clinical finisher from what I've seen um, over the months, especially for Denmark. So you got players there. The wing areas might be a weakness. You've got Rashford, who pretty much takes that left wing spot all day long. Martial for me is just a hit miss player. I don't personally. I don't know why he's still at the club. And then you've got Anthony, obviously, going through personal issues. You've got Sancho, who's having disagreements with the manager. So the manager is not really counting on him right now. So you've got youngsters like Ganacho and Pellistri coming in. But I think that's a weak point as well. Maybe that's an area they need to look into in, in the January window. I know they'll link to Anwar El, El Ghazi. Um, Ten Hag just seems to buy former Alex players that he's played. Like for me, he's, I feel like his recruitment is lazy as well. Doesn't really buy players based on scouting, in my opinion. He's just players that he's managed in the past or has some sort of interaction with them over the years. It's laziness, in my opinion. So, so no, I think on, on the field, the, the players are there for them to do decent. I don't think they they have the squad to challenge. Uh, for the title, definitely not. <laughs> Goes without saying. Even Pep Guardiola chuckled when someone asked him that question. Top four would be a huge ask. I feel like teams have strengthened this year. You've got the likes of 
obviously City are pretty much going to be up there. You've got Liverpool, you've got Arsenal, they look really strong. Chelsea, they're still a bit of a misfit team in my opinion, so I don't know if they'll be up there. Tottenham are looking really strong. You've got Brighton, you know, not traditionally a top six team, but they're looking like they can break that mould this season as well. So it's not going to be easy for United. I feel like if Ten Hag just gets his tactics right, play the players in their natural positions, things can change. Um, but yeah, recruitment has always been an issue at United, has been since Ferguson days. I feel like they waste a lot of money. They don't buy the right profile players. They just buy names rather than actual players that manager probably wants. Or I don't know who's who's scouting these players, who's deciding which players to sign. Because for me, I see it as a collective thing. They're all making mistakes every summer. So Onana's coming, for me, looks like an average keeper in terms of being a shot stopper. Yeah, he might be great on the ball, but you know, you got to be a shot stopper. That's the blend of being a good goalkeeper. So, so yeah. And you've asked me a second question Does Ten Hag make it through the season? I think he won't, to be honest with you. Um, it will depend on the United crowd or United fans, to be fair. There's already noise from United fans that are feeling restless in terms of how he is as a manager. Um, there's things he hasn't handled very well. The Sancho situation for me is handled very, very terribly, you know, if I'm being honest. Um, the anti one, obviously, he's been given time off, which is probably the right decision. But in general, yeah, I, I think he's making a lot of mistakes. Tactically, for me, he's not there. I feel like he sets the team, but he doesn't really like switch it up when required, he doesn't really analyze the opposition. I feel like he thinks his team is superior based on what I do not know, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I, I think his time is numbered, to be fair. Real United second, it will depend who, who they would sort of look at in terms of who they can bring in. There aren't many names out there in world football for United to a point. So, no, it's not looking good, to be fair. And your other question is... Who would you rather be right now, Poch or Ten Hag? <laughs> um, I'd probably be Poch because as a coach, he's known for nurturing young players and that is the kind of crop of players they have at Chelsea. A lot of the players that they've recruited, they are not the, the final package, you can say. They are players with potential Um that if they're coached the right way, they can move up to be top quality players. Um, I was saying Nicholas Jackson, but you know he's been a quite <laughs> hot and cold. Um, but he kind of fits that mold as well. You've got the likes of uh, Chukmenko, who looks like a good talent there. Uh, Gusto at the right right back role or wing back role, he looks good. So they've got some good talent there, and I feel like Poch is a good manager to get it working. But Chelsea is one of those impatient clubs. If results aren't happening as well, he might face the sack. Uh, you can't rule it out, unfortunately. So these two teams are used to sacking their managers when things don't go their way. Uh, if I was to put a, a bet on terms of who would go, I'd probably say Ten Hag. I think they'll still have faith in Pochettino. Um, but yeah, they've, they've got a lot of young talents. There. I feel like they can be nurtured to play good football. They just lack that striker for me up top. I think Nkuku would have been that guy 
unfortunately he's out for a few months so that's hampered their I think their push for I probably say top half finish now because they don't look like they're, they're doing that so yeah no no good times for Chelsea and Man United right now but that's football it is what it is in that regards so before we conclude the show we will uh, present and the FPL Manager of the Week. So uh, this goes out to Iman Rasnandi. Uh, his team is called uh, Imus517.pool. You managed to get 82 points. Uh, so, and he has Salah as captain, which is a smart choice. So well done to you, Iman. Um, good sets of points there. Let's share the screen to see what the league table is looking like. So you've got... We've got a new leader um, in Sebastian Tunic, and his team is Papa Willock. He's been around the top three spot for quite a few weeks, but he's managed to nip over Bamakun, uh, who's a rum punch, and Vipin Mohan, the special one, is a new name that's coming to the top three. Nana Sare as well had a good week, 77 points. And Huena Malik, who's my missus, heavy metal football. Yeah, so, you know, we've got football knowledge in this house. So, so yeah, she's in fifth spot right now, doing better than I am. Um, I am currently 23rd. Um, but I'm climbing up there. I'll, I'll, I'll be up there. Uh, not, you know, still early days for me. Um, I'm, I'm pushing for that top spot as well. But well done to everyone for another match week of the FPL. But that's a wrap-up for today, guys. So, so thank you for tuning in. If you haven't already, please don't forget to like, comment, share, and subscribe. Thank you to Madison for your comment and your questions. Appreciate it as always. Got lots of content coming up this week. So next show will be tomorrow as I do a match preview of Lask versus Liverpool in the Europa League. Then I'll be doing a match reaction show on Thursday of that game. And then Friday, I'll be doing a match preview of Liverpool versus West Ham. And unfortunately, I won't be able to do a match reaction on the Sunday when the game is played. So that match reaction will be done on Monday um, evening. So best thing to do is hit that notification bell on YouTube. You'll be notified as soon as I go live. Um, also follow me on social media for all latest updates. So you can follow me at AussieFTP on Twitter or you can follow me at Aussie.FTP on Instagram, Fred and TikTok. So as always, guys, take care, stay safe, and I hope to see you all very soon. Goodbye. 